0: This is the Build Your Path Podcast, where we explore how people get into their careers in the built environment. Today's guest is Meredith Sullivan. Meredith is the Director of Project Management, Design, and Construction at Loyola University in Maryland. She also has nearly 20 years of experience in the industry. Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Shapiro and Duncan, Build the Lifestyle You Deserve. Welcome on into the Build Path podcast, hosted by myself, Matthew Pine. I am with my guest today.
1: Meredith Sullivan. I am the Director of Project Management with Design and Construction at Loyola University in Baltimore, Maryland. So I worked for um, a company that did a lot of work at BWI Airport. So I've seen um, every inch of the airport, uh from the basement to the roof, Um, just kind of a cool experience to see what the typical passenger doesn't get to see about how an airport works.
0: So uh, Meredith, uh, we appreciate you taking some time out for the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So maybe if you want to walk through with our listeners, you know, how you got here, um, you know, what pathway did you follow in your early life to get to where you wanted to be?
1: Sure. So my background is um, as an architect, I've been working in architecture on the uh, public side for the last 20 years. I just recently uh, came to Loyola University to work on the owner side of the table. So it's a little bit different, um, but I'm still working with the same contractors and architects and people and still in Baltimore, which is great. Um, So yeah, so from a very early um, point in my life, I said I wanted to be an architect. I don't know where it came from, Um, Mm -hmm. but my high school had some computer-aided drafting and model building classes, and my mom said to me, well, why don't you take these classes and see if this is something you really want to do? So I feel fortunate to have had that opportunity I had a lot of friends early on in college who got into architecture and didn't like it, wasn't what they thought it was gonna be, and you know, changed majors and things. So I feel grateful that kind of my high school gave me that exposure. Um, I also knew someone who um, had a connection. So in high school, I spent some time with an architect and in their business, just trying to understand what they did. So um, it was great. So I went to Virginia Tech. Um, I took, I have a bachelor's of architecture, so you need to pass a licensing exam to be an architect, and there's two degrees. You can either have a bachelor of architecture, which is a five-year program, or you can go on and get your master's for six years. So um, I took the five-year route. One less year sounded good, especially from a financial standpoint, um, you know, being in college for five years versus six um, and then I graduated in 2000 from Virginia Tech, and I got licensed in 2009. At that time, I had to take seven different exams. Um, they're forever changing the format, but um, you have to pass a number of different exams. Um, in architecture, we kind of have to know a little bit of everything. So I had to pass an exam in um, MEP. I had to take two structural engineer um, engineering class uh, tests I had to take a site planning kind of civil engineering test as well so because we are typically architects are the prime contract holder all those other consultants report to us we need to know enough to be dangerous so a little bit about everything
0: (laughs) you know on the architecture side um, maybe you can explain to our younger listeners if you've worked with this uh, program, if you worked with, you know, uh, Revit or AutoCAD, can you explain what that is?
1: Sure. I started my career working in AutoCAD. Um, Revit was on the scene a little bit, but it probably didn't gain popularity till about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. Um, when I went to work for a firm in 2008, they were doing everything in Revit. I had had some Revit experience, but um not a whole lot. (laughs) So I did take a class at that point because I needed to know it a little bit more. Um, My position at that point I was doing a lot more project management and business development and proposal writing so I wasn't using Revit every day but I wanted to be able to get into the models and you know do some basic tasks. At that point I couldn't you know model a building from scratch or draw a wall section to save my life in Revit but I knew enough to add notes, to move things around, to tag doors, you know. So those were the type of tasks that I was doing in Revit. Um, Revit has some amazing capabilities and there's a lot of add-ons. You know, you could export your model. There's some great rendering softwares. So as a tool, a a lot of people can't read 2D drawings. And so to have that 3D capability and then to be able to render materials and furniture and people, It just really brings a project to life in a really different way.
0: So has there anybody in your life been a a mentor to you, would you say?
1: Yeah, I've had a number of different mentors through the years. I feel like, um, you know, there's not one person in particular that sticks out, you know, that's been there the last 20 years. But... You know, every firm I've worked for, um, you know, architects, it's a very collaborative nature. So there's always um, people there to support you, to ask questions of. And then as you get more on the construction side, when you're out in the field, um, I've had some really great contractors that have really taken the time. And if I'm out in the field, you know, obviously nobody knows everything and taken the time to explain to me what they're doing, why they're doing it, what the overall effect is. So I think, um, you know, kind of making friends along the way and asking all those questions are the way to learn and grow and develop your career. Um, It's especially getting out of the office as an architect. It's one thing to draw something on paper and even if you're drawing it in 3D, you can see how it comes together, but um, really walking a construction site and seeing your details being implemented in the field is the best way to learn.
0: So what do you see as some of the more uh, pressing issues facing our industry?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, right now, um, since I got to Loyola, I'm dealing with a lot of COVID planning, which um, Mm -hmm. is not the most exciting thing, but absolutely necessary. It's also a little challenging because we don't know enough and, you know, we're constantly changing what we're doing, but we've had a huge focus this summer on upgrading air handling units, filters, um, putting in UVGI and high density spaces. Unfortunately, we made a late decision not to bring students back to campus this semester, Um, so hopefully they'll be back in January. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we um, We put some modular classrooms on our field. The idea was, you know, we're trying to limit the class sizes it's not the best way to learn. Um, we have a new building under construction now, and the whole idea is it's a student-based collaborative learning center. So we want people in there. We want them meeting and you know, close proximity and interacting. Um, so hopefully by the time that building's complete next year, we will be in a little bit more normal situation where the concerns that we have now um, are lessened or don't exist, and we can use that building as we've envisioned. Uh, the other big thing, of course, is sustainability. We hear a lot about climate change, and you know the impact that the built environment has on that. Um, we all play a part in it, and we need to think really critically. You know, it's great to build a new building, but you know, if you can renovate a building, it's inherently green. There's a lot of resources mm-hmm. and things that you're saving by reusing that building. And, you know, there's a lot more creativity that comes into play. I think a lot of architects will say, yeah, doing a new building is great, but the challenges of retrofitting and renovating are much different and use our skills in a different way. And I think people welcome that challenge. And from a sustainability point, it's a little bit more challenging to do, you know, to get a LEED certified existing building. There's also a lot of, I am well AP certified, so it's It's a sustainability um, measure, but LEED really focuses on the building. Well is more wholesale. So it talks about the person, how the person uses the building, um, how do you get people to use the stairs, um, what's in your vending machines. It kind of takes that piece that LEED doesn't think about, they're only focused on the built condition, and really kind of ties in the people aspect of of all, which I really like you know, being a college campus, we're big on that. We're big on the getting our students, you know, to understand how, what they're doing impacts the larger environment. Um, So that's something that I was really excited about.
0: Great, yeah, I know uh, a lot of people here lead certified and they don't necessarily know what it means. so.
1: Yeah, and you're seeing a big push, especially like, um, I did a lot of work in public school systems and the public school systems, if you accept state money in the state of Maryland, you have to get lead Silver as a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of school systems are pushing back. They think they're spending a lot of money on, you know, stuff above the ceiling, things you don't see. Mm-hmm. And they rather just design a high performing building that maybe isn't necessarily LEED certified and put the money more towards things that they feel are more beneficial to students
0: would you say has been the most unique or the coolest thing that you've done in your career?
1: I feel like I've had... Um every end of the spectrum i started my career at a 300 person firm in northern virginia um it wasn't my favorite job but you know it was a, it was a way to kind of see large-scale projects really kind of ingrain yourself into a professional world and having to deal with lots of different personalities and people so that was an interesting experience i left there and went to work for a firm for a number of years who did a lot of food service design. So um, my claim to fame is I had just moved to Maryland. I had designed about 30 something Panera breads in the state of Maryland. And my whole like understanding of Maryland geography for a long time was based on where I did a Panera bread. <laughs> I remember going places and saying, oh, that's where California, Maryland is. I did a Panera (laughs) here. (laughs) Um, You know, that was a mid-sized firm, which I really enjoyed. It gave you the opportunity to get to know everyone pretty well. Um, And really, the projects were smaller, which was nice. You know, a lot of times um, you're doing these big scale projects that can last three years, four years, five years. Mm -hmm. Um, So to be able to see a project from start to finish in 12 or 18 months is huge, I felt like, for developing my career and my understanding of this field. So I feel fortunate. I've had a lot of fantastic experiences.
0: So what's it been like for you to, you know, broadly to work in the construction industry? What are your favorite aspects of it?
1: (laughs) I love this. Part of the reason I love what we do is because every day is different. You know you never sit down and do the exact same thing every day and the fact that you know you get to go out to a construction site and really see what you had on paper come to life is very exciting and then there's the challenge of construction um you know what we conceive and what we draw on paper doesn't always work in the field so how do you work with a contractor to come up with the solution that maintains the design integrity and the intent of what you envisioned but he can actually build, (laughs) you know, so those kind of of challenges, you know, um, are always fun to work through, and they're always a great learning experience, so when you go to do something in the future, you have that knowledge of, hey, this didn't really work before, here's something I could do differently, and here's that experience, and how I can apply it going forward, Um, you know, it's, the other nice thing is, and not everyone gets to experience this, though, is Seeing the people that you designed the building for actually use the building and be excited about it. Um, back in January, I went to a ribbon cutting for one of the um, K-12 schools that we had designed for Baltimore City. And it was the parents and the students and the teachers' first chance to get into the new building and just the excitement around that, and you know, kids saying, Is this my classroom? Look at that playground, you know. We don't always get to see that in our field. We usually only get called when something goes wrong after the fact. (laughs) So to see these people really excited about something that you had a part in um, was just super rewarding and something that I hadn't experienced much in my career.
0: And is there anything specifically working for uh, Loyola that you really enjoy?
1: Yeah, so unfortunately, because I started this summer and we haven't had students back, um, I haven't gotten the full uh, community experience that everyone raves about. I have had tons of online meetings and met everybody, and everybody has been so helpful and welcoming, which is great. One of the things that did attract me to this job was, um, you know, if you have a hand in designing and renovating spaces, you get to see them used on a daily basis. and. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the part of the job, I think, that on the public world I was missing. You just walked away from it and never thought about it. Here, you're really living in the space. And, you know, um, the guy who had my job previously retired, but I remember touring campus with him and him pointing out, you know, hey, we had this little you know, bit of space, and one of the students said, why don't we, you know, put some doors on this and make this a huddle space and open it up to students and to walk by there every day and see kids using that space and writing on the whiteboards and with all their technology. It was exciting to me. I was like, oh, I'm gonna have my hand in this and then get (laughs) to see everybody use it. Um, So, and I I love being in education. Um, It's always been my my kind of focus from an architecture standpoint. Um, The last 10 years, I've really focused on K-12 education, but there's a lot of overlap in higher ed as well. You know, the principles of education kind of are universal, whether it's K-12 or higher ed. So that was a field that, you know, I've always wanted to be in.
0: So on that same note, say a young person came up to you today and said, you know, why should I enter the construction industry? What would you tell them?
1: I just think there's so much opportunity. Um, Unfortunately, I think we're losing a lot of You know, good tradesmen in this industry. There's been a push in the last four or five years for high schools to have, you know, more vocational training. It's something that in my high school, you know, we had an auto shop, we had a food service program, we're in a student run kitchen. I don't think you see those things enough anymore. You know, not everyone is going to go to a four year college, um, and there's lots of other options we're seeing, especially, you know, electricians and masons and you know, the people who are really great in those fields, um, you know, are retiring and there's not a young population coming in behind them. I just think, you know, the satisfaction of working with your hands, um, you know, working with a group of people and being outside. I mean, to me, that's a huge deal, you know, being able to work on these (laughs) jobs, be outside. um, You know, it's just an exciting prospect, I feel like.
0: And there's a bit of a wrap up for you. Uh, I know you mentioned (laughs) how how Revit um, has really come to some prominence over the last 10 years. What are some uh, maybe programs or emerging technologies that you see um, coming to the forefront for the construction industry?
1: I I think virtual reality is a nice tool. Um, I think, you know, like I said, some people can't read 2D drawings and while 3D -hmm. renderings are great if you can take it a step further. And put somebody in the building and let them see it. Um, There's something really nice about that. Um, It helps too, you know, if we do a lot of fundraising. So if you can, you know, say to a donor, hey, here's where your name is gonna be on the wall and look at it in this (laughs) model, um, you know, it's a nice way. It's a good fundraising tool and kind of marketing tool. Um, I think, you know, we've seen a lot more contractors, I think, were a little hesitant to use Revit, um, but we've seen a lot more. And they're able to do a lot of clash detection before they ever build anything. You know, we always have so much stuff above the ceilings and the ductwork is conflicting with the plumbing and the sprinkler pipes. And the fact that they're able to work all that out before they ever hang a piece of ductwork or pipe is hugely beneficial to the profession Um, from a time perspective, from a money perspective. I, it's a really powerful tool and it's I'm glad to see more contractors embracing it. I think there was a little pushback initially, like there is with any sort of change, um, you know. And we always would ask them for coordination drawings, showing where all these things went. And it's one thing as an architect that nobody has probably ever seen, because you never get those drawings. But to have to have them doing the clash detection the Rebbit model has been very powerful. We're also, we have a lot of capabilities. We have a building on campus now with a concrete slab, a nine-story tower, and we need to, we're changing the mechanical system, and we need to put about 250 holes in the slab. Um, So we are bringing somebody in to scan the slab, because of course we don't have good drawings, because who has good good (laughs) existing conditions drawings, but we're able to bring somebody in to scan the slab and, you know, tell us what's there, where's the rebar, where we can cut and not cut. So, you know, technology has really changed the field um, for the better, you know, it's really exciting. Um, Now contractors can do a 3D scan of your building. So like I said, if you don't have good existing conditions drawings, uh, they could do a scan that the architect can then take and make a background file out of. So you don't have to be out there for weeks measuring every little thing, you know, and you never get it completely right. So yeah, there's a a lot of powerful tools, and it's um, an exciting development in this field to see more people leveraging them.
0: Great. Well, uh, we certainly appreciate your time, Meredith.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm excited to follow your podcast. I listened to a few of them, and it's been very, uh, it's nice to see what other people are doing, especially in this area.
0: Great. Well, uh, we appreciate your insight. Thanks so much. Thank you. If you want to learn more about Build Your Path podcast or the boat environment overall, go ahead and visit buildyourpath.org. Another big thank you to our guest, Meredith Sullivan from Loyola University. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Shapiro and Duncan. Build the lifestyle you deserve. Build Your Path podcasts are produced by the Maryland Center for Construction, Education, and Innovation. I'm Matt Pine. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.